Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations with some of her favorite people who are talking about the issues that matter most to you. Overcoming Monday is a podcast designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Now let's get started with an introduction to the episode. Overcoming Monday listeners, I have a great person on the podcast here with me today. Her name is Michelle Myers, and you guys have heard from her before. You can say hi if you want to, Michelle. Hi, friends. (laughs) So she actually has a ministry called She Works His Way, and she's helping women who work balance their life with God, family, and also having a great career. And so that's the ministry that she has predominantly, but she has also written a book called The Look That Kills, An Anorexic Addiction to Control. And I love that... um, you have this struggle in your past, Michelle, not because I love that you had to struggle with this, but because I didn't really struggle with an eating disorder when I was growing up. I don't know why. I actually feel like it should have fit my profile, but by God's grace, it isn't something that I struggled with, but I know a lot of people who do. In fact, I have a lot of girls ask me questions about, what do I do? I feel like I eat to feel better about myself or I don't eat to feel better about myself and all these, the whole spectrum of eating disorders overall. And I honestly feel sometimes incapable of helping them. Although I know that the Lord can help us help anybody, but I feel like there are answers that I don't know. And I just have to depend on the Lord to give me an answer that I feel like might be good. And I know that you're not a clinical counselor. This isn't your degree, but it is something that the Lord has helped you to overcome in your life. And so I'm excited for you to be on this podcast with me today. Well, thank you for having me back. It's always fun to get to have a convo that other people get to eavesdrop on with you. Seriously. And I just um, love your wisdom and so many other areas of life. So I know you're going to have some great stuff for us today. But would can you just start out for me to deci- define for everybody what an eating order is and maybe the different kinds of different eating disorders? Sure. So, I mean, I think an eating disorder, you don't have to have, you know, because there's predominantly anorexia and bulimia that a lot of people talk about the differentiation between those is anorexia is more obvious to see because they get really, really thin because they just don't eat. And then bulimics a lot of time, it's a cycle of overeating and then some kind of compulsive behavior afterwards to kind of get rid of the calories. So there's a binge portion and then there's purging. They could either throw up or excessive overexercise um, to get rid of it. And that one's easier to hide because a lot of bulimics maintain a normal weight because of the cycle of overeating and then the compulsion to get rid of it. But disordered eating comes in a lot of different shapes, forms, and fashions. And so I define an eating disorder as anytime you think that you give eating too much brain space. Mm-hmm. Eating is something that natural and normal. It's something that God created our bodies to need to fuel us. And so we, anytime that we give it 
an abnormality to where we're thinking about it more often than it should. And it's not something that's normalized. Like I just remember the first time I heard that I thought, I don't know that eating has ever been normal for me. You know, it was, it was just not normal. So if you're a person that you just think you give way too much attention to food, you might have an eating disorder, even if it doesn't fit into a box or a category that you may have only associated eating disorders as anorexia or bulimia. And so if you give it too much brain space, or here's another way to think about it for the moms that are listening. If you have eating patterns that you would not want your children to copy, then there's probably something disordered in your eating pattern. Mm, That's really good. So how would you separate because because I do believe in health, and so do you. I believe in healthy eating. I think that our bodies need good, healthy eating. And I feel like sometimes, uh, I would think that sometimes an eating disorder could actually start from having a desire to be healthy, but then getting a little obsessive about that, possibly. I don't know. I, how do you How do you distinguish between thinking about eating healthy stuff, sitting down at a restaurant, looking at a menu, and and you're looking at the menu and you're saying, this isn't healthy. This is healthy. This isn't healthy. This is where do you draw the line in your mind? I think between choosing healthy things and being a healthy person and then it becoming something that's a disorder. Is there a, a distinguished yeah. place in your mind that you make that choice? Now that's a great question. So, I mean, I think you use good words of healthy and unhealthy understanding that there are foods that have nutritional value that have purpose, that act as energy, and they can help us to be able to live better lives that, you know, where we're not as tired or exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's healthy and unhealthy, but there's an understanding that while there's healthy and unhealthy, there's not morality associated with foods in terms of this food is good and this food is bad. Mm. Morality is for us. Morality is not for food. And so if you have a food that's labeled as bad as if I eat that, then that's bad or I'm a bad person. That's just a really unhealthy mindset to have about food because food is designed for a purpose. And sometimes the purpose of food is just simply because it's a cupcake and it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. We, it's not that we don't have to only eat healthy foods. I think that there's a purpose and an enjoyment factor in unhealthy things as well. And so that would be the distinguisher is, are you trying to make choices because you're saying this is healthy for my body and this is me being a good steward of the body has given me because I want to have more energy or I'm not choosing that because it's unhealthy and unhealthy food has consequences to where I don't feel as good or it makes me lethargic or it makes me really sleepy after I eat it? Or is it if I eat a cupcake, then I think that I am a really bad person. Mm. Um, I think that that's the difference is healthy and unhealthy versus good and bad and morality. Yeah. So when I know what you're saying, so I feel like sometimes I crave Mexican food. (laughs) but then I go eat it and afterwards I'm like oh I feel terrible so that's different and like my body feels slow um I probably just didn't eat a healthy meal overall and so I feel slow and tired and sluggish like you're saying that doesn't make me a bad person because I ate it it just means that my body's gonna have to recover from maybe my 
bad health, healthy eating choice, or I just don't process Mexican well. So if I know that, I need to be able to take a nap afterwards and not expect to go run a marathon after I eat Mexican food, you know? <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So how would you say that your struggle with eating disorders overall began and um, what, w- what was your specific struggle? Or did you have one or did you just visit all of them <laughs> or whatever? Some people struggle with all. I was going to say, I think I've been in every factor that you can possibly be. Um, but like I said, I don't ever think that food was normal for me for whatever reason. Um, I was not extremely overweight as a child, but I also was never the thinnest in the room. And I think we all have natural tendencies toward areas where we feel insecure. And I remember as young as second grade, realizing that when I sat down, that my legs fanned out more than the girl that was sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. And so it was just in my mind to, from a from a young age. So I think that it's important for us to understand that each of us has different struggles and different sins or um even just mindset struggles, temptations that are unique. And so recognizing that if that's always been one of yours, just being proactive in that. Um, But where I actually took a really negative turn was when I was in college, I got mono and no jokes, no stories. Seriously, I got it from a water fountain. There was a big (laughs) epidemic at my college, but whatever. Um, I, I got mono and when I got mono, I lost 30 pounds in a month where I was sick. And I went from being that girl that was just a little bit heavier to where all of a sudden I was like the thin one that everybody wanted to look like just in a month because of mono. And that attention that I got from getting thin was addicting fast. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. This is the affirmation and the approval that I've been looking for. This is what I needed. This is what has been missing. This is my time. This is my opportunity. And I am a personality that goes all in. Like I don't do anything halfway. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, all right, so now I'm going to become a personal trainer and I'm going to become a group exercise instructor. And I'm going to start eating like a bodybuilder and I'm going to learn all about nutrition. And so it started out as a good thing because I needed to make healthier choices. I didn't need to be going through the Wendy's drive through at 10 o'clock at night, four times a week. You know, I, I needed to be able to make different choices, but I went to a side where it went from getting like none of my attention to now all of a sudden getting all of my attention. Mm-hmm. And so it started out as a good thing of being a steward and making healthy choices. And then it, it went from a good thing, honestly, to being a God thing, to being an idol in, in my life to where I was putting my food and my exercise above spending time with him. And because he wasn't pouring in to my life, I wasn't getting that word and his truth pouring over me. All I was hearing was comments from other people that they were telling me that I looked so great and you know, it sounds so backwards. This is the part that's always embarrassing and just humbling to have to share. But I mean, getting attention and having other girls tell me that they were jealous of me felt good. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that. I, I hate that about how it felt, but it, for whatever it fueled me and I was a good girl 
in that, you know, I didn't do the things that bad people did. And so I feel like Satan knew like, oh, I got her. I got her. This is how I can get her. I might not be able to make her be bad in that sense, but oh, I can suck her in in this way. And so it it just spiralized and it kept getting worse and worse and eventually to the point to where the compliments stopped and they went from compliments and they turned to concern because I mean, I was I weighed less in college than I probably weighed as a third or a fourth grader. Wow. I just, I dropped a lot of weight um, because I was exercising a lot and I went from eating only certain foods to skipping meals to going days without eating. And when you, when you do that, cause it's like that addictive personality of, okay, how can I push my boundaries even more? So it's like, if you're a goal setter, it's, it was goal setting in like the worst way that you possibly can. And it was almost like this weird game that I played with myself in my mind of, okay, other people have to have food to be able to function like this, but somehow going without food became my superpower instead of the strength of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so it was just a really worldly spiral that I got sucked in further and further. When I uh, I looked up some stats and it says that anorexia – um, in people's lifetime, it's estimated that 0.5% to 3.7% of females will develop anorexia. And it actually says the mortality rate among people with anorexia has been estimated at 0.56% per year. That's 5.6% per decade, which mm-hmm. is about 12 times higher than the annual death rate due to all causes of death among females 18, 15 to 24 in the general population. And then it says bulimia affects approximately 1 to 3% of adolescents in the U.S., with the illness usually beginning in late adolescence to early adult life. And then binge eating, um, it says community surveys have estimated that between 2% and 5% of America's Americans experience this disorder. And this isn't necessarily just female, but this one goes to the the gender. So it's saying that um, females and males both struggle with it, um, but obviously women struggle more than men, but the numbers of men are rising as far as the struggle with it, which brings me to a, a little bit of a story I did want to share. I took um, Jacob, when he was younger, was a little bit heavier than Joseph. Joseph was just skin and bones, just like my brother. He grew up skin and bones kid. Couldn't He could eat anything and <laughs> not gain any weight. And Jacob was, I had to buy husky jeans for him. Mm-hmm. But he was, I mean, he took on, he was a lot like Clayton. He and Clayton had the same build, but he was the center on the football team and no one got past him. I mean, it was just <laughs> amazing. And so... I remember taking him to a physical for this football um, season one time, and we saw a doctor that he hadn't regularly seen, and I didn't actually know her. We were going in. I thought we were going to see that same doctor, but we saw someone else just showed up in the room, and she started telling me all of this stuff about him, but specifically she said he's in the obese range. Mm-hmm. And my like mom radar went off because my son was in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am doing everything I can as a parent to teach my children healthy eating. Mm-hmm. We were, 
healthy eating. We didn't have a ton of chips in our house. We actually didn't really have a lot of chips. We didn't have sodas. We drank water. All of these things, I was teaching them how to eat healthy because I was a little concerned about Jacob, be, you know, because this is something in our country and you're aware of it. But mm -hmm. Clayton said, Shari, just don't worry about it. It's all going to even out. I, he w I was just like Jacob. You don't need to worry. And so I was consciously, as a mom, trying not to worry. Then I'm sitting here in the doctor's office with a doctor, and I know she has to do this for her job. I get it. But she didn't have to do it with him there mm -hmm. because I wasn't sure what was going to happen in his head when that happened, you know, because he had asked questions. Why am I bigger than Joseph? So mm -hmm. we were always having to answer these questions with him. And the last thing I needed was some doctor to tell him that to his face because mm -hmm. we were already learning these things about healthy eating. And so this like... <laughs> mom thing rose up in me and I said, do you know any other kids that eat kale? Do you know any other kids? You know, and I start listing off all, all of our eating patterns as a family, how much exercise he gets. And I just looked at her. I said, look, my husband had the same build when he was young and I'm not worried about this. My mm -hmm. son is good. And because in that moment, I didn't want my son to absorb something that didn't need to be there in his brain. And mm -hmm. so he left and I looked at her and I said, look, if you have a concern, I want to hear it, but I would rather you say it just to me mm -hmm. because I just didn't know how that would affect him. And so I know that some of these things can happen really young just mm -hmm. from a statement like that, that no one probably intended to cause harm. They probably intended it for good to make me aware to say, you know, but I think that there's a time and a place to say some of those things. And so I think that what you're saying is that I would feel the what I felt toward my son, I think that Jesus probably feels toward his daughters or sons that are struggling, that are hearing messages from the world that aren't true. And he wants to come down and say, this isn't true. Like, yeah. let me show you what true health is. I want to give you a correct image of who you are. And I just felt that hard as a mom. And I think that people who are struggling, like Jesus wants us to know that anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, all of these things, they are not good for us. They steal from you. And, and they're one of the causes of death in our country. And you just don't think about it, I think, when you're in it, because it seems like it's giving you good things. Like what you're saying, people are noticing that you're yeah. looking good or you're feeling better about yourself or you're accomplishing goals. And I think um, some people that I have talked to who have struggled with anorexia, They'll send me, or I've seen a picture of them, they'll show me the picture, and they actually feel fat in that picture. And when I look at it, I'm thinking, how in the world do you see yourself that way? Because I don't see it at all. And that's the lie, I think, that is so hard for me that I wish, I, I don't know how we fight that lie or how we can help people. And maybe you've struggled with that too. But looking in the mirror, someone sees something that's not real, I think, and how do we how do we help them see the truth? Uh, that that is a fantastic question, and I'll tell you that was probably why it took me so long to utter the words "I need help." Mm -hmm. um, was because at some point you reach a level where you can see the number on the scale, and your brain, your logical side of your brain, is aware that there's no way I'm fat. Mm -hmm. There's no way that I'm fat when that is the number that is on the scale. But I also know what I see when I look in the mirror or when I see a picture of myself. And so for me, it was not 
shameful, as shameful to say I have an eating disorder as it was for me to say, hey, listen, I'm crazy because my brain obviously sees things that aren't true. Hmm. That was the part for me that, I mean, I just remember tears crying so much when I was trying to explain this, when I finally admitted that I needed help because I was like, listen, I feel like I understand that I'm I'm not fat. I understand that. I'm not telling you that I think that I am, but I am telling you that I know what I see when I look in the mirror. I know that. I, I know what I see. And so I think what it comes from me is I, this is me being about 14 years on on the other side of first admitting that I needed help. I think what I can see now is for some reason, we so think that being fat is evil that being overweight is wrong, that when we look in the mirror and our brain just knows that doesn't look right and it doesn't look healthy, that it immediately associates it with, oh, well, I must be overweight. Hmm. I must be overweight. And so I, I think for the person who says, I can see a number on a scale or I can listen to what other people tell me, but I also know what I see, I would ask you to, number one, See yourself how God sees you. Ask yourself, how does God see me? Because I assure you that he's not looking down on you and he's not disappointed because of how you look. Hmm. I guarantee you that he's not. But then the second thing is, I would say, is it because there's no joy and no life in your, can you not really smile? Like the pictures of me for my eating disorder, they make me really sad because I have, you know, I was always complimented on my smile growing up. Like I just am one of those people that I smile with my whole body. Um, mm. Like I, I've had smile wrinkles since I was like 14. Like I just, I got smile wrinkles really young. And when I look at that, you know, four year window, I, I did not give a real genuine Michelle smile in those four, in those four years. And so, and then also when your body doesn't have nutrition, there are consequences to where your hair gets dull, your skin gets patchy and bad. Like you, you lose a lot of your life. And so you lose color in your skin, you lose pigment, all kinds of things. And so there are probably negative things that are happening to your appearance that just have nothing to do with your weight. Mm. You're struggling on the anorexia side. Um, the second thing that I thought about while you were talking, when you were saying something about, you know, I think we try to put health in a box. Health doesn't look a certain way. Health is not a certain size. Just like God gave us gift, different gifts, talents, and abilities, he didn't create all of us to look the same. Don't believe me? Go stand sometime at the finish line of a marathon. That mm -hmm. is the coolest things that I've ever done is literally just standing at that finish line and looking to see the different ages, shapes, sizes, races, everything that runners come in. Because there's not a clear cut, this is what a runner looks like. In fact, the last marathon that I ran, it's quite humbling. The guy that is crossing in front of me, mind you, in front of me, looks just like Santa Claus. Wow. And so yeah. doesn't exactly have the picture of what you would think is somebody that could run 26.2 miles. Mm -hmm. But health doesn't come in a certain size. And so I always tell you that your God created your body to be smart. He did mm -hmm. not need you to manipulate your body into being healthy. He has given us good foods that he made that nourish our bodies. And when we eat those 
and we regularly move the body that he gave us, then results of being healthy are a natural byproduct. We don't have to think that we need to manipulate the process that he already put into place. Yeah. He doesn't need our help. He needs us to do what he created our bodies to do. And it does the rest. That's so good. So I know that you said, um, this is hard for people uh, because I think I actually did a workshop this morning on listening to God. And I think it's hard to hear the voice of God. So you just said, listen to how God sees you. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out how he sees you. So I know that you can't speak for every person listening. But when you did that with the Lord, what are some things that he told you as you were trying to heal and not see yourself or what are some things that he has to keep teaching you? Cause I'm sure this is a struggle that you have to battle. Um, probably not as much as you did before, but I'm sure it comes back up because any struggle that we have, <laughs> I think it kind of sticks around a little bit. We just learned how to deal with it better. But what are some things that you think that the Lord has told you that's helped you shape, um, seeing yourself in a better way? You know, I mean, I think the first scripture that probably comes to my, my mind is how he, um, I think if you look at the original Hebrew, the word that it actually says means fashioned, he fashioned us in our mother's womb. And so when you think of the word fashioned, it's not this idea of he hastily threw you together and whatever happens, happens, hocus pocus. It's this idea that he was conscious to create you carefully And not just to create how you look, but to give you purpose, hope, and a future for, I mean, his glory and good. Mm -hmm. And so to understand his mindset of when he was forming you, it was because he wanted one of you. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he didn't need you per se, because he's God, but he, he wanted you. He wanted to use you. And so I think realizing that the same God that created these breathtaking mountains where I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and these beautiful beaches that I long to go to as often as I possibly can also took the careful time to create me Mm -hmm. and create you. And so it's that understanding that you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. He had a plan for you just like he made you, Mm -hmm. just like he made you. And so I think a lot of times we just tend to look to what's easier and what's seen, but actually thinking about that unseen process and just that the analogy that I give to women so many times is imagine that moment when you took a positive pregnancy test And you have that baby inside of you. And for just a moment, if you're me, it's about 15 seconds before you have to tell somebody else. But for just about that brief moment of time, it's just this beautiful little secret between you and God and that baby that they're there. And realizing that before your mom even knew that moment happened with you and God. Mm -hmm. Like, that is what it's like. Don't just look to somebody else and think, well, gosh, God gave everything to her. No, no, no. You had that moment with your creator too. Yeah. That's so good. I know that, um, 
Man, I can't remember where the verse is in the Bible. Maybe you can help me. But it's it's the one that I think everybody doesn't love <laughs> uh, or a lot of women don't love about not adorning yourself with all of these um, outward beauty, braiding your hair. And sometimes it's taken out of context. So mm-hmm. everybody says you shouldn't wear makeup. You shouldn't put your hair up. You should only wear like sacks for clothing or whatever, you know. But I think that the heart of that verse, um, but adorning yourself with the inward beauty if we could actually take that verse as women and understand that there's power in not placing the value, our value on what's outside, mm-hmm. but really what's inside, because um, I forgot what I was watching the other day, but I just remember there was a quote, beauty is power. And I'm like, <laughs> it is not. But that is the that's what our culture screams, to be honest. Yeah. And it has been. um a general theme of like what movies use like sexuality to like women use that sexuality to manipulate the men in the movies in order, you know, that's the power that we see. And it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Um, Really who we are is the inside. It's just that we see the outside so much Mm -hmm. that it's so tempting to work on that so much because it's a little bit more, shall I say, controllable, I guess. And so I think that the heart of the verse, the heart of verses that talk about not adorning ourselves with outer beauty, the heart of that is to say, if you concentrate on the outer beauty, you will become disappointed in who you are and who God's made you to be. But if we can look at the inside and see what he's doing inside, if we actually focus on that and allow him to create beautiful things inside, then we're not as obsessed with the outside and we won't be sideswiped or feel that competition quite so much. And I'm not saying that you won't ever be disappointed in how you're looking. Like I'm starting to really notice a lot of my smile lines and I'm like, oh, I'm looking older now. And it's hard to digest that sometimes. But if I say that's not what really matters about me, it's who God's making me into be and how I'm affecting other people with that inner beauty and how I'm valuable in the kingdom of God and how he sees me as his daughter and our relationship with one another. That's where my value comes. And so if I can put my value in that Mm -hmm. um, and keep doing it when I struggle, because we're all going to struggle, whether it's feeling older or like our legs spread out more than someone else, or you take a picture with someone else and you're a little more curvy, or whatever it is, there are struggles there for sure. Um, But I think that's what the heart of that verse means. And I think sometimes uh, if we hear a verse and we automatically feel like it's pricking us, um, it may be that we're not really hearing the verse in the right way because there's something broken inside and we need to like look into it a little bit more. And I think that some verses in the Bible, especially about females, man, we can, we feel that pinprick and we just want to run from them and not actually look at the heart behind them. And I think this is one of those, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, it's in first Peter three of the verse. Thank you. And, but it, the key word of that verse is merely, it says, don't merely mm-hmm. adorn yourselves. And so it's this idea of, are you giving all of this excess attention to your outward body, which is fading away mm-hmm. every single day? 
and not renewing the inner strength. And I think we can gain further context from that verse by thinking about the verse in first Samuel, where it talks about how God doesn't look at outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. Mm. But when David, that, and that verse being about King David, but when David is described, he's described as handsome in appearance. And so it's this, not this idea that, oh, well, I guess I can't be, I can't ever want to be beautiful. Or if, if I'm beautiful or if somebody tells me that I'm beautiful, that I need to, you know, repent. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's not that idea, but it is the understanding that that can't be what we're giving excessive attention to um, because it, it doesn't last. You know, the I love um, oh, Apostle Paul. When he talks about our bodies, he refers to them as a tent, which he's an expert in that because he was a tent maker. And mm-hmm. so when he talks about tents, you better pay attention. And so it's this whole idea of how it's this temporary structure that God gave us to serve a purpose for temporary reasons, but we have an eternal purpose that he's written in our hearts that we need to do for forever. And so if you invited somebody to come over to your house, you're not going to show them the tent in your backyard that your kids take to go camping a couple of times. Like that's not what we should be known for. We shouldn't be known for our tent. Yeah. Like if you invite somebody to come over to your house, they need to come over to the real structure of what's really there. And so that's what we invite people to come into is your real life. I love that. And um, so, well, I don't know if this is getting into some of the concepts that are in your book, but um, I don't know if you're talking about some of those things. If it is, I'd love for you to just introduce your book and maybe talk about um, are there steps of recovery that you've given in that book and maybe share a few of those so that our listeners, if they are struggling with this or they know someone who does, they can reach out and help someone else. So really what I did is I just kind of shared my story because I think for me, the first time that I ever shared my testimony, I actually, this is a true story. I got angry. So I shared my testimony in front of about 200 women and the line afterwards to talk to me of me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. And there were women that said me too, that were as young as 12 and as old as 80. And I literally got angry to where I was like, I'm 19. Why am I the only one that is talking about this? Why mm-hmm. am I the only one that's willing to be vulnerable? Um, because there, somebody's got to go first. And I definitely am not the first person to ever go first. But I just basically thought, I want to be the first to say this is my story so that I give you an opportunity to say me too. And so if you feel like, you're afraid to tell somebody that you have an eating disorder because you're afraid that uh, you have to admit that you're crazy. I'm at least going to help you to understand that you're not alone and then hopefully give you some hope of how God restored me to health um, and restored my mind. Um, As far as recovery goes, I didn't get real specific just because every eating disorder is as unique as the individual And so some things that work for some won't work for all. As you mentioned earlier, I'm also not a clinical counselor or nutritionist. And so I'm not trying to give advice that I am not certified to be able to give. What I do know and what I am an expert in is the story of that God has written in my life. And so if you just need some hope, 
that, cause I've heard some people that have said, you know, once you have an eating disorder, you always have an eating disorder and it's something that you always struggle with. Um, can I rebuke that in the name of Jesus right now? Because his word tells us that we are more than conquerors in him. And that includes eating disorders. And so if you have ever thought this is something that I can't beat, you're right, but he can beat it with you. You yes. just got to bring him into it. And so my prayer and my hope is that your my story would help you to understand that you're not alone and that you can't beat it alone either. God has yeah. got to be something that he does in you and there is hope. And so um, it is called the look that kills an anorexic addiction to control because looking back, I realized that even more so than being an issue about eating, I had a control issue to where I did not want to surrender that area of my life to the Lord. And I feel like if I had not gotten to the root of the issue, then my eating disorder symptoms would have just manifested themselves in another area of my life where I would have started striving to try to do something without God in that area. So I'm really grateful then rather than just seeing the eating disorder, because that's what it was. The eating disorder was a symptom of something that was going on in my heart. Mm -hmm. I was not willing to fully give God that area. I was like, okay, God, you can have all of these things, but like this, my appearance, this is mine. You don't need to touch this. I got this. And of course, realizing that when I took that area into my own hands was when it took a turn for the worst. And so I try to get to the root of the issue beyond just the eating disorder of realizing that the best thing that we can do for anything in our life is to surrender it completely over to God. Yeah, and that's so good. You're, you're uh, here to do this. I'm here to help. That's so good. I actually um, wanted to just read this for a minute because I did. I, I was kind of shocked that um, some I read this. Uh, well, anyway, let me just read it. It says, while eating disorders tend to peak between adolescence and early adulthood, the incidence and prevalence has shown itself to increase in all age groups. For instance, eating disorders are increasing rapidly among um, prepubertal girls. I'm guessing that's prepubertal. I don't know. Anyway, disordered eating habits and concern with weight and body image are beginning at earlier ages, mm -hmm. even as girls as early as nine years of age. A recent study found that 70% of sixth grade girls surveyed reported that they first became concerned about their weight between the ages of nine and 11. And then if you skip down on the article, it says eating disorders are also becoming more common among the elderly. This is in part due to people maintaining the eating disorder into old age. Also, elderly women have been shown to initiate well, weight control practices such as binging and purging, which totally shocked me um, because I just didn't even think of elderly women struggling with something like that. And that makes me sad. So um, I'm and also I've read a stat that if you are struggling on your own and you haven't sought professional help, that the the recovery from someone who actually goes through professional help, the overcoming of it, the uh, percentage of recovery is better for people who actually seek professional help than people trying to do it in and of themselves on their own. So I just wanted to say those stats that I looked up because I think it's important to recognize that this is not a problem for just teenagers. It's not just a problem for college students. This is a problem overall um, that people are struggling with it at all ages, but I'm just kind of, I, 
I have my own theory that I feel like social media is probably adding to that a little bit because we're just seeing images of people all the time. We can just go through and I know I know that my mind will go to that comparison of me between this other girl or me between this other girl. And I have to like, I, I honestly, when I start feeling myself do that, I tap, tap and close out that app because I don't want my mind going there. I can't do it. Like I can't look at someone else and start having those thoughts and then come away from that feeling better about myself. I have to click that app and put it out of my mind and move on to something else. I have to stop myself and use self-control to get it out of my brain so that I can move on and I don't start beating myself up. Um, So I think just comparisons, it's a killer sometimes if you don't take control. Like you said, you have to take, there are some things that are good to take control over. Um, Taking control over your sin is great. Um, And so I applaud you in that. Well, um, friend, I don't know if there's one more thing that you would like to say to people before we move on. I really want to talk about the narrow conference, but is there something that you would like to close out and just encourage our, anybody who's listening, um, with just a message on your overcoming journey and just an encouragement for them? I think the, to the person that says I've never admitted it out loud, but I think that I might have a problem. Um, tell somebody in your real life. As much as I love you and Shari loves you and we'd love to hear from you, if you don't know us in real life, we can't hold you accountable to doing something about it. And so you need to reach out to somebody who knows you and loves you and will make sure that you get the help and the accountability that you need to be able to make some choices um, on how you are going to take action on getting rid of this from your life because it is holding you back. It's holding you back. If you're giving food too much brain space, it was never intended to do that. Um, and then the second thing is just simply understanding that maybe you think I've tried to beat this before, but did you bring God into it? Mm-hmm. Did you did you pray about it? Did you ask him to renew your mind? Did you have other people praying for you? Um, because while I would tell you that I do think that it is com- it is possible to completely conquer and because we are more than conquerors in Christ, I'm not so naive to think that if Satan fooled me once that he couldn't get me again. And so this is not only something that I pray about for my own life regularly, but I have people in my life that regularly pray for me and ask me tough questions. Yeah. And so have those people in your life and make sure that you don't try to do this without God. Because the best counselors in the world are no replacement for the Savior of the universe. Right. So this summer, we've actually talked a lot about faith being something that moves, mm-hmm. not something that's still, not something that is inactive. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes the Lord speaks to us about something in our life. And the reason we don't see results is not because we don't believe it's true, but because we're paralyzed by what action to take. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that action is hard if you've never healed in and of yourself, if you haven't taken that journey, that's why we need other people to come beside us. Mm -hmm. So somehow stepping over the shame that you might feel or the embarrassment, or even just feeling out of control because you're saying that you did it a lot for the sake of feeling in control. It may be that you have to lose control for a little while in order to let someone else give you action steps 
to help you move forward in overcoming this in faith in your life. And faith just requires action. And when we act on something and we have someone helping us, I think we overcome. But if we just hear what God says and just say, one day I'll get to it, you know, I think we stay in bondage. Mm -hmm. But let's move on. Let's talk about the narrow conference. I'm so excited. I'm coming to speak at a conference that Michelle and her husband, well, really, she she works his way, um, puts on and... Obviously, I talked about in the beginning that Michelle felt a desire to help women find balance in their life between their family, their career, and the Lord, and just make sure that life stays in balance um, and that they're succeeding in all of those different areas. And so I'm going to narrow, and I'm going to be speaking with her, and I'm so excited about this conference. But um, my husband also is going to be doing a session as well with all the ladies, and we just can't wait. This isn't and uh, will you just give a heart for the conference and tell people how they can sign up for it, why they should go and just go for it? Absolutely. So I can just speak that, you know, I'm really grateful that God has given me a place to serve in a ministry that I need myself. And I know that for me being an entrepreneur, um, I've been, you know, just kind of, I don't know what to say. I've been in all kinds of areas, whether it's traditional ministry, um, business, writing, speaking, but it's hard to find business training that you can trust. Mm -hmm. And I say that to say that if I'm learning business from somebody and we don't share priorities, then before I can start applying it, I have to do some serious filtering of the information. And so I love what we do at She Works His Way because we filter it for you. Um, And when we say we filter it for you, we mean that We want to learn business from somebody that's fully dependent on God, not just dependent on their ability, but fully dependent on him and then committed to the gospel. Not just Jesus is a part of my brand, but Jesus is the Lord of my life. Um, And so that difference, but also somebody that's really effective in business, because I think that there's a difference between being skilled and being effective, because it's one thing to be able to do it yourself. It's another thing to be able to equip someone else to be able to gather those skills for themselves. Um, and so we kind of take this idea of business training, knowing that the Bible is our richest place that we need to go for information. And that is business and that is life and that is family. And so as women, we've got to stop trying to compartmentalize all of these different areas, but understanding that if we genuinely want to live kingdom focused lives, our best place to go is straight to the source of God's word. And so our heart in putting out business training is rather than teaching business strategy and then sprinkling in scripture to support it. Our heart is to go straight to God's word and derive business application from it. And so, well, what is this story of the life of David, which you're going to be talking about on Friday night. What does that mean for us as Christ followers, as wives, as moms, and as business leaders? And, uh, you know, so putting all of that together. So really it is a conference that is for women that say, I want to make sure that I'm giving God my best in every area. And in order to do that, we have to be fully his first. We have to honor the assignments that he's given only to us because career is going to fluctuate and it's going to change. But if you're a mom and if you're a wife, 
Uh, that is the assignment that God's given only to you. He did not ask anybody else to be your husband's wife. He didn't ask anybody else to be your kid's mom. He asked you. And so you never have to question that assignment. And so while you may able, be able to move careers, lay things down, those assignments don't go away. And so we have to prioritize those because those are our for sure, for sure callings. We never have to question. And then lastly, you know, understanding that God gave you gifts, talents, and abilities and using those gifts, talents, and abilities that he gave us is how an act of worship back to him. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to live wasteful lives. There's a big difference between being empty and being poured out. And so our goal is for you to come to the She Works His Way conference so that you can get super filled up and then go pour it all out where God's given you in your sphere of influence. Yeah, it sounds like summer camp. summer camp for students but summer camp for adults I'm just kidding anyway um yeah we're in the middle of our summer camp season and I feel like I just said that to the students my heart for you is to give you a safe place to learn about who Jesus is so you can soak it all up and then you're going to have to go back and live out your faith without all the feelings but you can do it so how can we teach you that in about a week. So narrow conference is a little bit shorter, but I'm sure it's going to be packed with all the goodness that you guys need to be able to live your life with success. We want you to succeed. I do. I believe the Lord wants us all to succeed in the things that he's called us to. He wants us to do with excellence. He wants the world to notice us and to see that our lives work because he's designed life to work and our lives to be blessed so that the world will take notice and we'll see who he is and his good character. And so I believe that's what narrow is about. And I can't wait to talk about one of my favorite heroes in the Bible, David. Um, I have many others, but there's so much we can learn from his life, from his successes and from his failures. Mm -hmm. We all have successes and we all have failures. And I can't wait to be a part of this conference. And I just love this ministry. She works his way. So I would just say overcoming Monday listeners, if you need some goodness in your life, if you need to be poured into so that you can succeed, if you need to believe that you can succeed, Mm -hmm. this is a place for you to come. And I know that we want to encourage you. We want to give you the tools that you need so that you can live your best life for the Lord, because I know that he's called you to greater things. Mm -hmm. He's called us all to greater things than we can imagine. And those are going to require us being disciplined with our life and being in tune with his word and being in tune with him. And then I believe he'll bless us. So, um, if you want more information about that, what would they go? They would go to sheworkshisway.com or is there a specific narrow conference? Sheworkshisway.com slash narrow and it'll take you there, but it's October 19th and 20th in Asheville, North Carolina. We've got all the details there for you. You can register for pre-conference workshops and overcoming Monday listeners. You can use code Shari loves narrow and you can save on your ticket. Shari loves narrow. So you could, that was a good song right there. I don't, I didn't even mean for it to be. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad that you guys tuned in for us to, uh, with us today. I'm so thankful to have you, Michelle, on this podcast. I know 
that you helped people that I don't feel like that I could have helped. I wasn't actually prepared or thinking that I would read some of those stats, um, but I think that they were good to read. They gave us knowledge that maybe people don't know, specifically people like me who may not know that anorexia, bulimia, eating disorders, all this stuff is a serious thing that is affecting women, and we need to stand beside our sisters who need help and figure out how to help them and stand with them. So I hope we've given you some little secrets for your big breakthrough. And we want to thank you at CKM for listening to Overcoming Monday. Um, we, we as a ministry, Clayton King Ministries, produces this podcast. And we do it to benefit you and to give you something to help you move forward in your faith. So thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to hear you again. Oh, talk to you again. Ha, <laughs>